0: Hello, hello, hello. I'm Chan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters. We're coming to you here at the end of 2023, and much going on in the world. And yet I had a question that I did not expect to be on the tip of my tongue this week you know what is the difference between Yiddish and Hebrew? Yeah, there's a question for you I didn't expect to have, and yet I was asked this week. And for those who do not know, Hebrew is a Semitic language, uh, whereas Yiddish is more a German dialect, and it integrates many languages. It is written in Hebrew. Um, but it also incorporates German and Aramaic and other Slavic and Romance languages. It does use Hebrew words, Yiddish, and it's written in the Hebrew alphabet, as I say, but it's often, I was told by my dad, Shalom, who spoke it and grew up speaking it with his mom and his dad, um, who had come from the old country, um, if you knew German, you could understand Yiddish and vice versa, uh, a little more closely related to the German uh, and a language that was spoken in um, Eastern European countries. and um, Both Hebrew and Yiddish, of course, relate to the Jewish people. Uh, And while Hebrew brings up images of Israel in the Middle Eastern culture, culture, Yiddish brings up notions uh, more closely related to European and Eastern European uh, Jewish communities. And the reason for this is simple is because Hebrew is a a Middle Eastern language. Uh, It can be traced back to over 3,000 years. And um, Yiddish is a language which really originated in Europe Um, Western Germany primarily over roughly 800 years ago uh, and eventually spread to Eastern and Central Europe. So Yiddish was known and my mom used to call it this she said it's the mama which is the mother tongue because it was the language that people used for conversation in 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 their homes in Central and Eastern Europe and that included my grandparents uh, uh, Max and Ethel Goldstein, who were Max and Ethel Sazni at the time. Um, but Hebrew was considered the Lashon Kodish. It was considered the holy language and was used primarily for liturgical purposes, such as prayer, uh, all over the world. In any synagogue, that's why they used to tell me as a little boy when I was learning Hebrew in Hebrew school, if you learn this, you can daven, you can pray, uh, in any synagogue or temple in the world. Um, interestingly enough, one time when I was living in Israel, um, I went into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, uh, which I've visited uh, several times over over the years. Um, and it's a collaboration of many different kinds of elements of Christianity. Um, one room looks you know, more Russian Orthodox, one room more is Coptic uh, and so forth, it has different feelings to it in the, in the within the structure. But I was surprised to hear they were holding a mass in one place, and I couldn't understand the language because they were speaking in their language, whichever group was, was holding it, uh, until they came to a certain prayer, and then they sang Kadosh, 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 which means in Hebrew, holy, holy, holy. And I realized they were speaking in the language of the country in which they live, which was Israel. And they were using the common uh, common tongue, which, uh, of course, since the creation of Israel, Hebrew had become the official language of that country. Uh, so in essence, it was taken from being a... Um, uh, uh, a language of prayer, uh, to an everyday language, to a language of a people, uh, just as uh, Arabic can be a language uh, and certainly is the language of, of a people, lives in the Middle East. And there are other languages in Greece, in and, and, and Greek in and Greece and so forth. So this was the language that had been spoken in the country along with Aramaic, uh, but it had been developed as part of the prayer services uh, thousands of years ago uh, and now with the creation of the State of Israel was a language that was reborn in essence became uh, it's one of the rare occasions uh, and, and instances of a language that primarily people had thought was dead uh, and used only for stilted uh, you know official, Uh, worship services, uh, much like Latin. People weren't walking around town speaking Latin. People would speak uh, in the language of the country in which they lived, but in the synagogue they spoke, they used Hebrew. And suddenly it was being spoken in the streets in in Israel. Now, today, you know, Hebrew is spoken by maybe 10 million people worldwide, Israel's first language. But prior to the Holocaust, there were roughly twelve million or so Yiddish speakers uh, out of seventeen million Jews in the world. Um, and after the Holocaust, there was, you know, a huge decline in the language. It, contrary to popular belief, Yiddish is not a dead language today. It's, um, and not only a language just for academics. There are roughly 3 million Yiddish speakers in the world today. And um, interestingly enough, some of them speak, it is their first language in certain, for example, Hasidic sects and so forth. Um, so it's it's kind of fascinating. But what I'm interested in it for is the wit of Yiddish. Um, for example, uh, one of the things they like to say is a, a mensch is schwacher von der Fliege und starker von Eisen, which is a human is weaker than a fly and stronger than iron. And just listening to that logic, a human is weaker than a fly. Well, we certainly know that we can see the weakness in humanity and we can see the weakness in each of us uh, at certain moments of our lives. We can be more fragile than a fly. And yet Yiddish saw and reflected the inner Chosek, um, the inner strength of a human being. By saying, it is possible for us to be stronger than iron, And we have seen that in facing challenges, and facing um, immense um, obstacles and overcoming them. And that goes for any human being. It is something reflected in the Yiddish language. Yes, it came out of the Jewish people, but it is a wisdom of humanity that we can be weaker than a fly and stronger than iron. And how might you reflect on yourself? When is it that you're weaker than a fly? What are those moments? And when are you stronger than iron? What are those moments? Because once in a while, it's important to reflect on those moments, perhaps especially when you're facing um, a tremendously adverse time as we are in the world today. We are fragile, and we are incredibly powerful. We have an inner strength and resilience, and we need it. Another saying that they have in Yiddish in a beautiful apple, you sometimes find a worm, which I think is kind of funny. Yes, something can look absolutely beautiful on the outside, but we don't know the inside until we bite into it, right? In terms of an apple, something to eat. But it's also in terms of people we know, they can be incredibly, come across incredibly wonderfully. And then you get to know them and you do, you say, well, I guess I didn't really know that person. Because as we also know from another saying that it's not Yiddish, you can't judge a book by its cover. This was the Yiddish way of saying it. In a beautiful apple, you sometimes find a worm. Which means in anything we do in life, we have to give it time, we have to get to know it, we have to engage personally. In many ways, to really truly know something, and certainly someone. Persons we haven't given the benefit of the doubt may prove completely the opposite. We may think they're kind of rough and whatever on the outside. And they prove to be kind and gentle. Often that's the presentation made of an Israeli historically while I was growing up, that they called them a sabra if they were born in Israel because the sabra is prickly on the outside. It's a fruit you can eat, but it's prickly on the outside. and sweet on the inside. And often they would describe, you know, that's what a native Israeli was like as I grew up. They also, you know, take a very close look at um, some, of, some of the ways in which we, I think... look at troubles we face and and I I bring it up again because we are facing troubles and I remember growing up and my mom talking about the troubles of Ireland and the battles being fought between Protestant and Catholic and surely there have been all kinds of troubles in the Middle East over the years and over many years periods of peace and periods of trouble again and it's it and certainly for all of us who care terribly troubling and seeking away what will be the resolution and we have to believe ultimately there there will be a resolution ultimately as i've said in earlier podcasts i want to believe in that moment when i sat in the old city of jerusalem with my palestinian baker uh and i was his friend and he was my friend and we would sit and bake bread together and eat together and break bread together, bake and break bread together and um, dream of a day when our children could do so. So we do. Uh, Yiddish has a saying, Surah's saying, Troubles are to man what rust is to iron. Yes, troubles can cause us to rust. And yet, rust can be clean from iron. Another way of saying it is the world is full of suffering, but everyone feels only his own. It's another take on it. I only can feel the pain coming at me. I can't feel your pain. But you can. You can make the effort to feel another's pain they say we must put ourselves in someone else's shoes but I think we can make an effort to relate and that it is in that effort when we get to a point with another human being where we begin to understand one another when we can relate to each other's pain you know Golda Mayer famously said uh, Anwar Sadat will make peace with our country when he learns to love his children more than he hates ours. It was a remarkable statement. She said, if you, you truly love your children, you don't keep sending them to war. You find a way to accommodate which he eventually did. And of course, I've shared, I think, once or twice the famous story of how I met Mrs. Sadat in Los Angeles one evening and how she and I stood, just the two of us, and she looked me in the eye and said, shall I tell you how it happened? Meaning how my husband decided to go to Israel. And it was a remarkable moment. If you haven't heard that podcast, uh, I would recommend it and I don't always recommend my own things because it's, you know, a bit much to say that to another human being, but I can recommend that. And I do recommend this podcast and I do hope you will recommend it to your friends because we try to talk about Taklas here. We try to talk about real things, things that are in our heart, things that are in the inner chamber of our hearts, things that matter. Because I think um, eventually... We want to get to a place, you know, I truly believe life is good Um, and life can be this good only when we tackle and uh, interact with what matters. And part of this podcast is about pointing out the things that matter as opposed to the things that don't. And there is a lot that we get worked up on that does not matter or as my Dear late friend Richard Carlson used to say, don't sweat the small stuff. And so much of it is small stuff he used to point out to us. And so I'd ask you to think and to consider. You know, some of the wisdom in the in the Yiddish sayings. For example, zayn everyone has his own burden. And isn't that the truth? You think only you're the one who's suffering? Yiddish language says, and even says it another way, no one knows where whose shoe pinches except the person who walks in it, which of course is like our saying, you know, walk a mile in my shoes. Or, you know, if you truly want to understand somebody walk in their shoes, but Yiddish put it in a way, no one knows whose shoe pinches except the person who walks in it. And then it also on a take on that same kind of Yiddish wit says if you want to forget your troubles, put on a tight shoe. For all these things, for all these wittisms. I think it's true what Yiddish says The men grey seine Eigen A person has big eyes can't see his own faults. It is up to us to see our own faults. And it is also within us to see our own strengths and our own resilience and knowing the difference. I hope for you a discovery like that this week. Both the recognition of faults and weakness, but equally to balance it out Take a look at your resilience. Take a look at your strength. We need it, each of us, right now. Until next week, I'm Jan Goldstein, and this is All That Matters.